Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! It just keeps getting better for Ron Wolfley going into the holiday weekend. I mean, it's already been a good day for you, Wolf. Yes, it has. When you've heard the words, and I quote, under center (laughs) and power scheme, part of your interview earlier with Will Hernandez, who really is your kindred spirit as a 350-pound, you know, just mauling guard in there. And then when Will Hernandez adds as part of your Q&A that he says, quote, I like the mentality of the new coaching staff and I like how things are trending, quote, end quote. Well, you know what? It is going to be a good edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Our special guest tonight, Cardinals wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator Drew Terrell, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and yes, Will Hernandez set a tone today. Did he not, Wolf? He definitely did, Paul. He came walking in uh, to the studio, of course, at 350 pounds. I mean, he's... He is a big, big dude. He's a very physical player, as you well know, Paulie. Um, I, I would tell anybody, go back and look at the tape from last year. I, I think before he got hurt, he was the best, most consistent offensive lineman the Arizona Cardinals had. Just love Will Hernandez, the right guard. I think that's where he's going to be on this offensive line going forward. And yeah, he said everything we expect about the mentality of this team and the schemes that they're going to run a little bit more, it's going to be very physical. He was your guy the moment he picked a fight with J.J. Watt in training camp. Let's be honest, Wolf. He, he really you know, was. I, it just honestly, um, do you know how much circumference that it takes to actually pick a fight with a guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer, J.J. Watt? Yeah. That was huge. It told me yeah. a lot about Will. Yeah, it did. And, and we're going to hear from Will Hernandez and uh, D.J. Humphreys a little bit later in this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. But batting leadoff would be your head coach, Jonathan Gannon. And guess what? Cardinals are on the field, both the veterans and the rookies, for the first time together this week. And here's the new head coach and what they got from their very first ODA session. Technique and fundamentals and finally some decisions and actions. So uh, get to line up against each other and play some football. So good to compete a little bit and get on the grass, go offense versus defense, special teams. But um, I liked how we worked. There you go. On the OTA, Jonathan Gannon talking about this. So, Wolf, I mean, you tell me. In this day and age where, you know my favorite example of the voluntary and voluntary OTA comes from Titans and Nashville where the head coach Mike Vrabel ran into his all-pro safety Kevin Byard on Sunday at the golf course, at the golf club, and then didn't see him during the OTAs during the week. But he ran into him on the golf <laughs> course. That was my favorite anecdote of the week. So it's far from 
mandatory. We know that. It's in the name. It's voluntary. But for the most part, everybody was in attendance this week. And I would expect as much when you have a brand new coaching staff. Yeah, it was interesting, Bully, because back when I was playing in the National Football League, they still did. They they had um, quarterback schools, they would call them. Um, they would call them voluntary quarterback schools, and yet everyone knew that it was not voluntary. <laughs> it was like, we're going to have this quarterback class. We're going to have this little two-week period right here, and, man, would we love for you to be there. And if you're not going to be there, it's going to tell us a little something-something <laughs> about you. It was I would say 97, 98%. The only way you didn't show up for a quarterback school is if you were trying to hold out and get a new contract. That's the only time you weren't going to show up. So whenever there's a new coaching staff, it really behooves the veteran, I would say, this is just me, to show up and actually participate. And we've seen that happen from time to time this offseason already. And yet at the same time, they have their fair share of guys that who did not show up. Look, you played a decade in the league. You went to Pro Bowls. Kyle Vandenbosch on the Red Sea Report, another guy who played a decade in the league, went to Pro Bowls. And here was KVB's take on just the importance of OTAs. You've got to have reps. You've got to practice them. You can't just draw stuff up on a board. You know, the great thing, again, about football is 11 guys have to do their jobs, and in order to do that, you have to rep it over and over and over until it's impossible to make a mistake, not rep it until they get it right, rep it until you don't get it wrong. And starting to get those reps on the field, on the grass right now, it's going to pay off in the fall. I love that line. Don't rep it until you get it right. Rep it until you're not going to get it wrong. It's impossible to get it wrong. and. And when you have a brand new scheme on both sides of the ball with brand new coordinators and a brand new head coach, I mean, Wolf, we know how imperative it is. If you're not playing fast in the NFL, you can have all the measurables and all the talent, the athleticism in the world. But if you're not thinking fast, you're not playing fast. And that, to me, is is why this is so vital because it has to become second nature. No doubt about it, Paulie. It really does right now. And there are a lot of changes, as we all know. Terminology changes, schemes, they will change. When are OTAs meaningful to a veteran? I would say there are three primary areas where it's really meaningful to a veteran to show up to OTAs, voluntary though they be. Number one is when there's a new coaching staff with new schemes. That makes sense, right, Paulie? Yep. A new staff, a, a brand new paradigm. You're going to have a brand new culture. Yeah, I think it really behooves the veteran to show up when there are are new schemes to absorb. Number two, when the veteran is new to the team, period. You you know, you're you're an unrestricted free agent. They brought you in, whatever it may be. If you're new to the team, you want to show up because of the new schemes, of course, and the new teammates. You want to start building that relationship with your teammates. And then I would say number three, when the veteran is coming off an injury. I think those three things primarily, Paul, those are when it's it's most beneficial, I would say, to a veteran to show up and actually participate in these OTAs. For me, a guy that was always on the bubble, this was not voluntary. This was show up and make sure you're there. And to any guy that is out there that is 48, 49 on the roster or further back, you're going to show up to these voluntary workouts. And from the outside looking in, can I add number four, and that is when there's a new GM in the house, 
when there's a <laughs> new makes it worse a new decision maker watching all of these sessions right yes. with his assistant GM Dave Sears alongside Monty Ossenford and you don't quite know exactly what they're thinking and whether they think they might have a need at your position between now and training <laughs> camp and whether yes you're even going to get out of training camp so yes I, I would say it's most definitely in your best interest unless you're an all-pro player and you feel like you have all the security in the world so and it's all and look as a new staff you're going to get that extra week as well because it is imperative you you are behind the eight ball as a new coaching staff to get your system installed and and it is a process and Jonathan Gannon was asked about that pretty close to being done yeah we uh we give them a lot and um there's a natural teaching progression to all that and uh, we like to hit it two, three, four times before we got to line up and play week one. I'm excited uh, that we do have a lot in, and uh, we just got to coach up the details. Here's my one inkling, too, by the way. Just reading between the lines, Wolf, you know, we do interviews, we talk to coaches, et cetera. I have this sense, this vibe. They're going to simplify things this year on both sides of the ball. That I think, ideally, they take maybe a little bit off the plate of a Kyla Murray and maybe try and simplify the process of his decision-making. A Kaiser White, if he indeed is going to be the guy in that speculation, calling the defense, guess what? He's been in this defense for a number of years in Philadelphia, and he's with Jonathan Gannon before that. So I think you're going to, for example, a Zayvon Collins on the outside, right? I think he's going to be thinking less and playing more, and I think that's more akin to being the norm this year than the exception. Yeah, I would agree with you, Paulie, um, and that is hitting the reset button, basically, on offense and defense and in transition with special teams as well. I think, yeah, they're going to bring it down to the bare-boned fundamentals, how they want things done. That's part of building culture. Again, you can't make any assumptions. If you're JG and the coaching staff and Monty Ossenfort and you're trying to change the culture of this team going forward, Paulie, you got to tear it all down you got to strip it all down. And that means right down to the technique and fundamental level of those techniques. And that's exactly what J.G. was talking about. you got to tear it down, man, and then build it back up and not take anything for granted. Don't assume that a guy has been taught anything. Technique and fundamentals, and this is the time of year you teach that. By the way, some of the takeaways from OTAs, Isaiah Simmons running with the DBs, the safeties in particular. Zayvon Collins was with the outside linebackers this week during the open media session. I know Will Hernandez talking about playing next to Paris Johnson Jr., so it seems like he's getting reps at right tackle. Uh, John Gaines among those snapping the ball. So, look, there are some questions, and there are some players who might be in different spots than we're accustomed to. But I, I would say there are still a number of, a number of open spots that this new GM is looking at, Wolf, and trying to decide between now and mandatory minicamp. Okay, do I need to make a move before training camp? Is that plausible? Yeah, Polly, um, is it plausible? Yes, I do believe a move is plausible before training camp right now. But once again, I just love the fact you bring it up. Will Hernandez was talking to me today about, hey, when do you see a general manager go out and actually draft an offensive lineman in the first round? A guy that believes in the physicality of the game. And I love that because this is culture. Building from the inside out, just like we predicted going into the draft. All right, Will Hernandez, we'll hear from him a little bit later. Up next... 
How about the Cardinals assistant coach? He played for and coached with Jim Harbaugh. He just coached for Ron Revere. He's just part of the NFL Coach Accelerator program. Drew Terrell, he's up next on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray in an empty set. In shotgun, takes the snap. Three-step drop, looks over the middle, throws, and it's caught by Brown. First down, makes a man miss at the 15, cuts right to the 10, and Brown is into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Gorgeous run after the catch. What an incredible play by Hollywood Brown. You want to talk about the red carpet? Hollywood Brown just walked down the red carpet here at State Farm Stadium. A passion wolf weren't kidding right there. That was a season-long 25-yard touchdown catch and run. Hollywood Brown against the Eagles early in the season. In fact, led the Cardinals in that game. Eight grabs, 78 yards receiving. And if you remember, as of that game, he was fifth in the league in receptions and seventh in receiving yards. It was the next week at Seattle where he suffered the foot injury going against Tariq Woolen. And then he missed four or five games after that, and his season wasn't quite the same. And I just provide that as a reminder of the potential of Hollywood Brown. Of course, I don't need to remind his new position coach who joins us now. As we say welcome in, Drew Terrell is our guest here on the Big Red Race, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Welcome to the show. Welcome home, Drew, a Mesa native, right? No doubt. (laughs) Well, born in Mesa, but really, really a Chandler native. I probably spent the most time in Chandler. And Chandler oh. Hamilton. and all. What's oh, yeah. it been like coming home? Because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of positives, but then I'm guessing you also are going to have to set some expectations when it comes to ticket requests and stuff like that, right? Yeah, that's probably the the biggest negative is probably that, the ticket requests. and uh, People want to come to, the, to State Farm Stadium to see the games, but it's all been extremely positive. I mean, when I figured I had this opportunity to come back home, I didn't even, didn't want to tell anybody, didn't want to say anything to jinx it, didn't want to, put myself in a situation where it couldn't happen because you know when when you're coaching you always have this vision you know you want to get back as close to home as possible but I never thought I would have the opportunity to come home and and represent the Cardinals and you know drive the same streets I grew up driving and you know live in a similar area to where I grew up in it's been an outstanding uh you know transition it's been awesome I mean, you see all the players' families react on draft day, right? We just went through that. I'm sure your family and friends must have reacted when you got to make that phone call, right? Oh, no doubt. I mean, it was. I remember when I got the uh, when I got the call from Monty, and um, you know, I was in my kitchen in in Virginia, and my wife and I just looked at each other and I said, you know, we're going, we're going back, and you know, I teared up and she started crying, and then I called my mom and she was crying, and it was like. Yeah, it was like I got drafted to go back home. It was it was insane. But, um, it was awesome. Excited to be here. Yeah, Drew Terrell is our uh, guest. All right, last three years with the Commanders. Mm-hmm. So what would you think when week one has the Cardinals at Washington? Couldn't have written a better script, right? <laughs> That's right. Week one, go back to where you've been for three years, where you know we had our daughter, where you know my wife and I were married during our time there. So you know, obviously a lot of near and dear memories for, for our family there, but couldn't write it any better. Of course we're going there week one. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I'm, I'm trying to tell people, if there's a new ownership group in place, that that stadium's going to be hopping. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be a big-time vibe. But let's rewind past that. You spent, what, four or five years as a grad assistant, mm-hmm. did you not? Yeah. I mean, you're 31 years old, right? Mm-hmm. I just cleared stuff out of my garage this past weekend that's older than you, Drew, okay? 
But you put in your time on some of the lower rungs of coaching. You really invested and grinded early in your career, didn't you? Yeah, well, I, I got into coaching when I was 22 years old, so I was I was young when I got in it uh, during my first year at Virginia Tech. And, yeah, I spent four years as a graduate assistant, um, spent two years as a quality control in the NFL, and then the next year I was the assistant receiver coach. And then after that first year in Washington, they promoted me. So, um, you know, it's been a steady climb. Um, you know, had to work my way up, been around a ton of great coaches, people that, you know, really went out of their way to pour into me and give me the knowledge that they had. Uh, to help me elevate and be prepared for my next opportunities. And we're going to get into the Cardinals receiver room and this offense, especially as the passing game coordinator. But as long as we're talking about your career, you're fresh off a trip to Minneapolis, the mm-hmm. spring league meetings, and the NFL coach accelerator program that they talk about giving a chance to network. Mm-hmm. There were, as the NFL Network described it, I was watching some of it this week, they described it as 40 diverse coaching candidates with a chance to network with ownership and club executives. Just give us a quick thumbnail. What was it all about? Yeah, it was a chance, you know, for the league to get some uh, few young coaches, few older coaches, primarily minority candidates, give them a chance to, you know, get around ownership and executives, like you say, you know, give you the opportunity um, to kind of show your personality, show what you're about, you know, to these owners mostly in an informal setting to where, you know, the conversations are are comfortable conversations. And um, also one of the really good things about it was I'm getting around, it gave me the opportunity to get around coaches, uh, minority coaches who have been very successful in this league, coaches like Leslie Frazier and Terrell Austin and, and, and people that have been in this league a long time and done a lot of great things, you know, especially, you know, being minorities. And I was, you know, almost more in awe of that, you know, sitting in the room with those people, people that you look up to in the profession that have have really done it for a long time and with the longevity that they've had, um, I think is something that, you know, I aspire to. So that part, you know, was just as awesome as, you know, the conversations with the ownership. Hey, it must have been an honor just to be selected. I mean, they identified 40 future candidates they mm-hmm. think of as coordinators and future head coaches in the league. So, Right there, I'm sure that's an honor. And then you come back and you get right into it. And the same day you fly in and you're right back out there and you're grinding and you're working with Drew Petzing. And so what do you make of this offense? Because I tell you, everyone we talk to, they talk about how there's going to be a renewed emphasis on the run. And this will be a very balanced attack. Yeah, I mean, it's been awesome. Drew's doing a tremendous job. You can tell he's, you know, ultra prepared for this opportunity. He's extremely detailed. He's got a clear vision of what he wants and what he wants it to look like. Um, and the way he wants us to train and coach the players, you know, it's it, it's going to be exciting to watch how this offense, you know, evolves and develops and suits and fits and molds to our personnel. Um, I think, you know, at the core of it, you know, we want to serve the players and capitalize on their strengths. And, and that's what this offense is really geared towards. And look, we can talk about the run game, but you're the passing game coordinator. Drew Terrell, <laughs> our guest here. And yeah. and look, the the honest reality is, if you look at the downfield passing attack last year, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot to speak of. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the metrics will show the Cardinals rank near the bottom of the league. I'm sure you've seen a lot of that on film. So what are you stressing right now? What's most important? And what are your objectives, especially as you get ready for mandatory minicamp and then eventually training camp? You know, I think the objectives for us right here in OTAs is really trying to fine-tune fundamentals and, and kind of uh, determine what type of offense we're going to be giving the guys we have. You know, really assess their skill sets and get a feel for, you know, things they excel at, things that are going to give our quarterbacks the best chance to be successful. So really it's about, you know, identifying those things, being really, really detailed on, on fundamental football. Because this time of year, it's, you know, things are slowed down. 
Um, a lot of teaching goes into it. And of course, you know, we're trying to implement um, a new system. Um, but I think all those things are geared towards serving the guys that we have and, and maximizing their strengths as best as we can. And, and look, we're familiar with Hollywood Brown. We mm-hmm. just heard the highlight, you know, Rondale Moore. Let's get into some of the new guys in this roster, starting with the round three rookie, Michael Wilson. Mm-hmm. Stanford guy and, and and you played at Stanford to what degree were you pounding the table on draft day I mean was he on your radar and, and how much input did you give Monty when it came to that selection yeah so Mike I, I, I knew about Mike of course you know being at Stanford and then he he wore my number he wore it a lot better than I did by the way um, hey that's coming from a guy you, you won a Rose Bowl <laughs> so I mean come on yeah. you, you were Stanford's leading receiver your final year right yeah what and, and Mike, you played with Zach Ertz, and I saw where your first touchdown catch was from Andrew Locke. Oh, yeah. So you can name drop a little. Yeah, make sure you tell Zach I was the team's leading receiver that year. <laughs> That's <what he> said. <laughs> right. That's right. But, um, uh, but yeah, so I, I knew about Mike early in the process, but I hadn't really um, had a chance to really dive into his tape and evaluate him until that process came this offseason. Um, and, and when you dig into the tape, what you find is, you know, a kid that's extremely detailed. You know, he's got great athleticism, a great skill set. Um, got good size, moves really well for his size, but he was making plays on tape that translate to this game. Um, his play speed was outstanding. He was attacking the football away from his body. So that's the biggest thing when you're watching guys, college guys on tape, is how does their skill set translate to this level and what we do. And, you know, Mike was checking boxes, and then you go back and you watch the Senior Bowl. You know, what he was able to do in truly competitive one-on-one situations is, you know, he was one of the top guys there, and, and that tape showed up, and, you know, as we got further along in the process, had an opportunity to speak with him a couple times, and he would continue to check boxes. You know, he's smart, he's engaging, he was locked in. Um, you know, all the reports you got from Stanford were that he was a tough kid, do whatever it took for the team, and exactly the type of guy we're looking for. He just yeah. happened to go to Stanford. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you what, he was two minutes into his first press conference to the media. I'm like, oh, my goodness, he's a top-five interview on this team already. I mean, yeah. if he's going to make plays – the same advanced level he meets the media, and then the Cardinals found something. In fact, here's one of the comments he made to the media. Whatever I get is what I'm going to earn. Um, and so if that's being a starting receiver, that's great. If that's being a special teams guy, that's also great. If that's being a backup receiver plus special team gunner role, whatever role that I carve out for myself, it's going to be completely dependent on what I do on the practice field, how I carry myself in the media room. And, and he just looks the part. I mean, he, he, he's 6'2", he moves. So we'll see. I mean, obviously it was rookie camp and some OTAs so far. How about Zach Pascal though, another newcomer? Give us your first impressions on a guy who's got the size, obviously has the physicality. He kind of got buried on that talented Eagles team, didn't get a lot of targets, but he had a couple of really successful and productive years with the Colts before that. Yeah, I've got a, a, a ton of respect for ZP. You know, he, he's done it in his league. He's been productive in his league. Um, he's the consummate professional. He shows up every day. You're getting the same guy. You're getting positive energy. You're getting a guy that works um, and is detailed about his job. Um, typically, you know, when guys have success in the NFL for, um, you know, an extended period of time, they have the little things figured out. They know how to take care of their body. They know how to conduct themselves in the meeting room. They know how to practice, which is is something that takes guys a little bit to learn and understand the importance of deliberate practice. And uh, ZP is a guy that's you know, he's been outstanding. He's been really good for our room. We've got some young guys in the room, and he's a great example of, you know, perseverance. He was an undrafted guy, a guy that started off on a practice squad, uh, you know, became the Colts' leading receiver. Uh, like you said, he was in Philly where they had, a, you know, a, a pretty high-profile room, but he's a reliable guy. I talked to the coaches there, and 
I mean, they love ZP, and it was tough for them to lose him. Um, but, you know, their loss is our gain. <laughs> so, um, I'm, you know, I'm ton of respect for ZP. Glad we have him. And, and, hey, DeAndre Hopkins, still an unknown. So now you look at guys like Hollywood Brown and Rondell Moore and Greg Dorch, and all mm-hmm. those guys are burners. I mean, those guys can all move. What have you seen out of them, and how do you – how do you see them fitting into a Drew Petzing passing attack? Is there a certain style that fans can expect this year, perhaps? Um, you know, I think we're still in those introductory phases of, like I said, identifying what those guys do well. You know, one thing that you can be sure of is that we're going to try to maximize those guys' skill sets. And, you know, what I've seen so far, those guys have been um, outstanding. They've been locked in. You know, they're working their tail off. They're trying as best they can to grasp and learn, and they're asking the right questions. And, um something that I've been preaching is being extremely deliberate with their thought process and uh, the way they go about practice. Um, and, and those guys have, have been outstanding in that regard. And, you know, I'm eager and um, excited to, to watch them learn and grow and, and get more and more comfortable in this offense because the more comfortable they get, you know, the more plays they're going to make. And, and they've done a great job. The fact that there's the uncertainty at quarterback with Kyler's injury, how does that impact a receiver? Or does it? What are you telling the guys? Because there's going to be a number of different, you know, QBs thrown to them over the next few months. Yeah, it, it has no impact on our process or our preparation. I could be playing quarterback out there. I expect them to be running their routes the exact same way, same splits on the right footwork at the depth. You know, whatever that is, they cannot. You cannot let that be involved in your thought process because it's something that you can't control. You have no control over it. You've got to focus on what our job is, what our task is and make the job easy on whoever the quarterback is. Our guest, Drew Terrell, Cardinals wide receivers coach. Last question. Jonathan Gannon, do you believe a team takes on the personality of its head coach? I do. What does that mean for this team? It means this team could take off like a rocket. I mean, that guy's got tremendous, legitimate energy. It's not phony energy. It's not fake energy. JG's got a legitimate um, excitement and a passion for this game and for serving players. So... And you think that's infectious? I believe wholeheartedly that's infectious. I tell you what, a lot of these coaches have a really good track record, including yourself, including that Rose Bowl win you had for Stanford. I tell you, next time you're on, you got to tell some Jim Harbaugh stories because I know you got some, <laughs> if we're playing for him and coaching with him, I know you got some, some beauties. How much time we got? <laughs> we'll save that for later. <laughs> Drew Terrell, our guest, as we continue with a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. We got a, a, a good group of guys that's just like great dudes that want to play football. Mm. So it's easy to mingle with the group. It's easy to interject young office alignment into the room and it'd be fun. Oh, man, me and Paris are already clicking, man. Such a cool guy, very smart. We even have our own handshake going on already. Oh, there you go. go. And, nice. And already. Like, what is it? Well, I'll give you guys a clue. It's you, We wouldn't call it a handshake. We would call it more of a, a belly shake. Well, Will Hernandez has my attention on that one. Not exactly sure what that might be all about, but from the sideline this year, I'll be sure to keep half an eye on those two breaking the huddle because apparently they got something in store. It is a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Special thanks to Cardinals receivers coach, passing game coordinator Drew Terrell, the former Chandler Hamilton star, went to Stanford. I love the line about remind Zach Ertz that he was the leading receiver for that Stanford team his senior year, so we're going to have to do that with Zach Ertz uh, a little bit later. Wolf, I, I mean, 
the personalities, and you brought it up in your interview with Will Hernandez earlier today on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports, the Wolf and Luke show. I mean, uh, the personalities in that, that offensive line room are almost as big as the individuals themselves, right? Uh, they need, like, their own podcast. I mean, that, that, would be, that would be good stuff to get those guys on mic interacting for real. Yeah, I thought that was super, super funny right there. Will Hernandez especially. Here's a guy, 350 pounds. Now, he says, Paulie, he wants to get down to 335, okay? He will be down to 335 when he comes into training camp. But right now, he's 350. And, you know, honestly, Will, you look every bit of that. <laughs> well, you know what? Wolf, Wolf, think about it. DJ Humphreys, we asked him about the schedule release, right? And and and, and he, what was his joke? Half joke, half for real. Did we offend anyone in the league office? Because yes. look at some of the defensive lines that go against to start the year. The Washington Commanders, are you kidding me, with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat and Chase Young, and then you get Dexter Lawrence? I mean, think about Dexter Lawrence. I mean, Will Hernandez might have to be 350 to go against the Giants and Dexter Lawrence, their all-pro nose tackle. And then you get that Cowboys front of Micah Parsons. And then in week four, hello, there's Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave. Hargrave on the interior. So, I mean, maybe it's by design Will Hernandez weighing into 350. I, because guess what? They're going to be tested yeah. in the first month of the season. No, they are going to be tested, Bully. He did say, though, that no, he's it's not by design. He doesn't <laughs> okay. want to be 350. Right. Okay, He says he wants to be 335. But, you know, and you know me. I'm like, hey, Will, if you want to stay at 350, that's great. Because, oh, by the way, are we running power? Are we doing that? Are we going to line up and actually blow somebody's face off and run the ball downhill? And can I just tell you that Will Hernandez was talking about that very thing, Paulie, really impressed with the physicality of Monty Ossenford and JG and their culture. Hey, Will Hernandez might want to check and see if Jonathan Gannon runs a fitness test on the first day of camp. I'm just saying, you know, before he decides what he's going to weigh in exactly and the whole cardio. Look, here's DJ Humphreys from the Wolf and Luke show this week on his very first meeting with a new offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing. Me and Drew became friends the first day we met. Because the first thing he said to me was, I'm going to tell you now, we're going to run the ball a lot more than you did before. I said, man, you don't have to tell me anything else, bro. I'm not the guy that you need to, like, tell the offense to. I'm not that guy, bro. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to block the end, let you guys play 10 versus 10. I really appreciate you telling me that we're just going to run the ball more. Everything else, coach, don't even waste your breath, bro. There's a lot of players talking about what's coming in terms of not only more run game, but the style of run game. We also talked to running back Corey Clement this week, and he affirmed pretty much everything DJ Humphreys was saying. Yeah, he did, Paulie, and Corey Clement at 5'10", 225, I might add. Go ahead and try to tackle that. That hurts you. That physically hurts you to try to tackle that. Um, I'm so excited, and the reason why I'm so excited is because I really do believe that the the game of football and all of its glory on the line of scrimmage, offensively and defensively, is going to come back to the the state of Arizona via the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> I think they're going to line up, Paul, just talking to um, Will today and DJ, of course. They're going to line up under center a lot more. They're going to run 12 and, a, and 13 personnel out on the field. That's one back, two tight ends, one back, three tight ends. They're going to attack downhill they're going to run downhill and attack it and use play action you know how much to what degree I don't know but I'm really excited about it because I do believe that's the area this offense needs to evolve 
And here's Will Hernandez from your interview earlier today uh, on just what a successful run game can do for you. When you're very consistent and you're able to execute and you're able to run the ball so much, you don't know, play actions all of a sudden start being so much more effective. It's beautiful. Guys down the field, uh, wide ass open. And, you know, it's just it makes a lot of things easier for everybody else around the ball. And then he went into how they're going to run the power. Okay, so so well, give us a quick recap on that because uh, you know the, I was just listening, but it yeah. sounded like you were out of your seat at that point. No, I was, and it was because <laughs> once again, are you actually going to get into um, a power personnel group who would like twelve personnel? And you're going to go ahead and line the tight end up, 12 or 13, two tight ends or three tight ends. You're going to line it up, and then you're going to collapse the right side. Everyone's going to block down. We're going to kick the end man out on the line of scrimmage. The backside guard is going to pull around and come up through and get on the linebacker. That is the most physical play in all of football. It is the power. It's the second play they actually drew up in the dirt when they created the game of football. And that is going to be run by the Arizona Cardinals at some point in time. How much and to what degree, I don't know. But just the fact they're wrapping it out right now, Paul, <laughs> tells me so much about this offense and the mentality of this offense going forward. You know, A lot is made about Jonathan Gannon was a defensive head coach. But I think he knows from, yes. from being a defensive coordinator that if another team can run the ball – you know they're going to run the ball, and they still run the ball. Not yes. only is that, A, very effective in moving the chains, but, B, it is demoralizing in what yes. it can do to a defense, right? Yes, Paulie. No, it, it it truly is. When the other team can line up, and this is, this is about, you know, you were talking about simplifying, and this simplifying of the offense right here, simplifying it for Kyler Murray. This is where it really is going to help Kyler to get in a huddle. You call a play and know that I'm going to hand the ball off on this play. Know that you're going to hand the ball off on this play and then carry a fake out, whether it's a boot, whether it's a waggle, whatever you're going to do after you hand that ball off. You're going to go ahead and you're going to fake that. And I love that because it's so definitive. Okay, we are going to attack downhill. Your offensive line knows that. They're not guessing as to how they're going to come off the ball. They know you're going to hand the ball off to James Conner. And, oh, by the way, he's 232 pounds. They're going to attack the line of scrimmage downhill. And, Paul, guess what that does? That tells every offensive lineman that lines up and puts his hand in the dirt, we're counting on you to do your job. We're counting on you to blow somebody off the ball. The demand is put on the offensive line to do their job and block somebody because we're running downhill. Paul, I love that. Just think of the mentality of that right now. You're not running an RPO where you, you know, run pass option where the offensive line doesn't really know, are we going to run it? So, you know, okay, I'm not trying to read that weak side inside linebacker. I'm not going to do that. I'm trying to block the guy here. There's no doubt when you line up and run the ball, and that's where your offense can become very, very effective by using play action. And Will Hernandez, he went off on a bit of a rant on that where he said, yeah, the play action becomes so much more effective. Receivers are more wide open. It just makes things easier for everyone who's around the ball, in the words of Will Hernandez. And then you talk about simplifying it. Look, how many times do we hear defenders, especially defensive linemen and guys in the box, say that when the opponent gets in the gun 
it simplifies it yeah. for the front seven. Yeah. And so, and look, nobody ran the shotgun to a higher percentage last season than the Arizona Cardinals offense. So now, especially if you're going to start the season with a Colt McCoy under center, for example, or at least playing quarterback, I would envision Colt being under center more than we ever saw him the last couple of years. No doubt. And, you know, it does so much of the time. It really helps your quarterback in rundown situation. First and 10, second and one to six. When you line up, and you line up, especially in a power personnel group, Polly, when you go two tights, three tights, you line up and you run some play action right there. Again, it simplifies a lot of things for the quarterback. It's you go ahead, okay, we're not going to run it. We're going to use play action on this. Bam, you're either going to boot, which means you're going to roll out to the strong side, or you're going to waggle to the weak side of the formation. You're going to get out on the edge. You're either going to hit the flat, or you're going to hit the drag, or you're going to hit the deep route. (laughs) I mean, it's just bada-bing, bada-boom. Hey, still a lot of decisions to make on that offensive line. DJ Humphreys is maybe the only known for sure at left tackle. Will Hernandez, is he going to stay at right guard? Who's your center? Paris Johnson Jr., is he your right tackle? Could he be in the mix at left guard? We'll talk about the defensive front when we come back. And a reminder, single game tickets on sale now. azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. Geno Smith in the pistol. Behind him is Kenneth Walker. Snap to Smith. He's going to throw. And tried to dump it off. It's picked off at the 30 on the near side by Collins. Running it back forth to the 20 to 10. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Great awareness. That was a check down to the right. And Saban Collins read it. He picked it off, and then he returned it to give the Cardinals the lead, 13 to 10. Saban with a look what I found pick. And then shows off that speed. That is a big man running. Taking it all the way back for a pick six, baby. Hey, there were uh, certain games where Passion Wolf called the name Zaven Collins a lot. That was a 30-yard pick six against Seattle last season. Of course, that's when he was calling the defense, playing the Mike linebacker role. Now... He's on the outside, at least as of now, might be the most intriguing player on that side of the ball. Dollar for dollar, just okay. How's he going to fare, especially considering the need on this team? For someone to be a force off the edge, it is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. And Wolf, what do you make of Zavin Collins working with the outside linebackers? Yeah, Polly. Uh, first of all, my first thought was the fact that he looks more like an edge player than he does a Mike linebacker. You know, with all of his height and his length, of course, he looks more like an edge player. And it's going to be really interesting to see how he takes to that. I did not really know this, but last year, of course, whenever Zayvon Collins would get out on the edge, he was still making all the checks and all the calls. Do you have any idea how difficult that is to do, Paul? It is remarkable to hear him say that, that he would be yes. on the edge and he have to shout the adjustments, the checks, <laughs> like they'd come out and empty and then you'd have to check as a defensive front. And he's like shouting like, oh, no, 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 no. And all that's, of a sudden, that's right. I mean, wow, in a loud stadium, that's difficult. 
it, it just shows you the mental acumen that this guy really has because he was able to actually play Mike Linebacker, <laughs> making the adjustments and the calls, not from behind the line of scrimmage, but from the edge. Very, very interesting on that. I, I think his physical skill set is a better fit for the edge. Now, I think that. I don't know that. I think that. But it's really interesting that Zavin told us that the coaching staff, J.G., of course, and Nick Rollis, they were the ones who actually approached him in regard to saying, hey, listen, we'd like to start you off here on the edge. We're, we're going to still move you around. It's not like you're never going to play Mike Linebacker again, but we'd like to start you off here on the edge. I thought that was really interesting to hear Zavin Collins say it was basically their idea, and Zavin was all about, I just want to win. Not a surprise there either. And when you talk about his measurable, so he is 6'4 plus and every yeah. bit of 260. So, I mean, he, he is an extra large dude who seemingly would be very well suited to the edge, holding the point. We'll see. Uh, here's Jonathan Gannon on uh, Zayman Collins' attitude so far. He's doing a good job. What I love about Zavin is that's the type of makeup that you want in your players is, Coach, I'm willing to do anything that you want me to do to help the team. And when you have a bunch of guys like that on your team, you have a good chance to win. I know that a lot of people like to make the comparison to Hassan Reddick, who's also was once upon a time an inside linebacker, first-round pick by the Cardinals, who didn't really flourish until he got to the edge. Difference is Hassan Reddick had been an All-American in college at that position. All right, This is new for Zayvon Collins. But I'm wondering, Wolf, do you think this could unlock his athleticism a little <laughs> bit more akin to a Hassan Reddick? Yes, I do, Polly. I think it's going to be a challenge to him. Just talking to him the other day, um, had the opportunity to sit down and talk to him. Just talking to him, you could see his light, his his face light up just a little bit. You could see the light coming from him, Polly, when he started talking about that and moving out to the edge and bringing the athleticism to the edge a little bit. It's a challenge to him. Um, this is something that I think he is going to cultivate. What also is very interesting, Polly, is just the fact that, okay, with the whole Hassan Reddick and JG, of course, and Nick Rollis, hey, guess what? They took Hassan Reddick and made him one of the best edge players in the National Football League in that defense with Philadelphia. And now they come out here. And we all thought what, Paulie, for the most part? It was going to be Isaiah Simmons. That I, <laughs> they were going to take Isaiah Simmons, and they were going to stick him out on the edge. That's what they were going to do. I never in a million years thought, Paulie, it was going to be Zayvon Collins. When you talk about the two inside linebackers for the Cardinals, Zayvon Collins as the Mike, Isaiah Simmons as the weak side inside, I would have bet you or more, Paul, that it would have been Isaiah Simmons on the edge and not Zayvon Collins. He got incrementally better all of last year. They look at him and say, no, we think you are on the edge. That's very fascinating to me because they see something in this kid that other people have not. My question now is, okay, we know the edge guys, right, whether it's Zavin or B.J. Ojolari, the second-round rookie, or my J. Sanders, Cam Thomas, the third-round picks last year. It's who's playing on the interior of that defensive line. You look at this roster right now as currently constructed. The guys were in the 90 numbers in numerical order. Rashard Lawrence, L.J. Collier, Kevin Strong, Jonathan Ledbetter, Carlos Watkins, Lecky Fotu, Eric Banks, and then Cameron Thomas, if you're going to drop him down to a five-technique. 
Well, there's a lot to be decided and determined in that group, is there not? Yeah, there really is, Paulie. If you want to make the Arizona Cardinals team right now and do well, be a defensive lineman. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is where you're going to have the opportunity. You are going to have the opportunity to make this team. You're going to have the opportunity to play in that rotation. Um, I, I see it as almost wide open. Rashard Lawrence, I think, if he's healthy, he's already proven to me he can play. He's an NFL defensive tackle. And I think, hopefully, this will be his breakout season, provided he can actually stay healthy. But after that, I think it's Katie bar the door for anybody who's really hungry and wants to play on that defensive line. Would cornerback be the number two question for you? on this defense yeah typically you need four going into a season you have marco wilson antonio hamilton and then i mean you have some talent you have some promise you have some highly thought of rookies but there's a lot to be decided there as well yeah paulie it really is a situation where you gotta have you gotta have three corners that you really really feel confident about right now and you know you mentioned the the typical names marco wilson of course and antonio hamilton you got Rashad Fenton as well. Um, listen, I think it's going to be wide open. Wide open. And I don't think we're done yet. <laughs> That's just yep. me. I wouldn't be surprised to see some signings late yep. going into training camp that are veteran corners. Yep. Veteran corner, a veteran defensive lineman or two perhaps. Maybe yes. a veteran tight end. Or two. I mean, when Trey McBride's telling you today that they're going to run 12 and 13 personnel, yep. are they, they going to bolster that room? So we'll see. And then a center, of course. Center might be atop the power pole when it comes to veteran needs at this point. We'll see. A reminder, once again, single game tickets on sale. EasyCardinals.com slash buy tickets. Special thanks, as always, Jim Almohundra, Cody Fincher, Drew Terrell, the wide receivers coach, for joining us. For Ron Wolfley, i Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.